to the Prophecy Club. Okay, we're going to do one of my favorite things today. We are going to actually study Bible prophecy. Matter of fact, years ago when Prophecy Club first started, this is the way I used to open up the radio program. I would say, welcome to the Prophecy Club where we study and research Bible prophecy. And that's the way... (laughs) That's the way I said it, and many times people would come to the meetings and they would walk up and say, say it, man, say it, say it. They would ask me to start the meeting and say, welcome to the Prophecy Club, where we study and research Bible prophecy, and that's the way I said it. Anyway, it's uh, funny. All right, so let's get on over to Revelation chapter 17. Very important. Revelation 18 which is confirmed by the angel Gabriel that spoke to Dimitri Dunant, is talking specifically about America. But Revelation 17 is talking about the Catholic Church. Now, again, I'm not beating up on the Catholics. I think that there's a lot of really good Catholics that love the Lord, and we're going to see them in heaven with many great rewards. There's no question of that. But Catholics, you also have to understand that your beloved church has done a lot of things wrong, as all of the churches and all of us have. But they particularly, because they're so large, got attacked by the devil, and they're going to get hijacked by the beast, and he's going to take over, and the false prophet is going to be coming out of the pope, maybe even this pope. So just understand that. But that's the point. Revelation 17 is talking about the Catholic Church. Now, you may be saying, but yeah, but it talks about the Mystery Babylon. I thought Mystery Babylon is America. Well, yes. Are there any Catholics in America? And the answer is yes, there are. And that's the reason it says it like that. Okay, Revelation 17. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying to me, Come hither. I will show you the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth had been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, several things i got to say about that. First of all, when it says fornication, it's not saying having sex outside of marriage. It's saying that they have fallen away from Jesus, that they were supposed to be the bride of Christ when the final marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, but they fell away. It is also calling her a great whore because she caused many people to fall away, which is why it says the kings of the earth who had committed fornication with her. In other words, the Catholic Church and the hierarchy there has caused many of the other nations to fall away that would have and were and should have been even today still Christians and Christian nations. So he carried me away into the spirit, into the wilderness, and I saw a woman. Now, throughout Scripture, the woman is the church. Either it is talking about Israel specifically or the church, but obviously in the New Testament, specifically Revelation, here it's talking about the church. I saw a church or a woman set upon a scarlet-colored beast. Well, why is it scarlet-colored? Well, we look back over to Revelation chapter 12, and it says, And I saw another great sign in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. That's the devil. So when it says a scarlet-colored beast, it means that this beast is of the devil. We know from Revelation 13 that this beast is talking about the world government. So it's saying that this is the Catholic Church that rides upon this world government. And even right now, where does the Catholic Church get its funds? Well, it doesn't sell books or DVDs. It doesn't do radio or TV programs. It gets it all from donations through the bucket being passed in all of the Catholic churches, meaning 
that the financing or the beast that the woman rides is the world government. Now, you may be saying, but wait a minute, uh, how is it that the Catholic Church is ruling over the government? Well, if you think about it, maybe you're not familiar with this or not, but the Pope is the one that gives the kings of Europe, the ten kings, their crowns, literally. He is the one that stands up there, and the king and or the queen also comes up and kneels down before the Pope, and the Pope blesses them and does all the things that he does, but he is the one that puts on their crown. The Pope gives them their crown just as Samuel anointed David to be king. Samuel anointed Saul to be king. It is the religious that gives the power to the political, which is why things are so upside down and topsy-turvy in America, because it's supposed to be the church that is ruling over the political. But in America, it's the political ruling over the church. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. Okay, what does that mean? Well, you go back into the Old Testament, and you look at how the priest was told that he is to dress, and it's in purple and in scarlet. You look at how the temple was arrayed, and it was decorated with purple and scarlet. So when it says purple and scarlet, it is saying this is the church. It is saying this is someone that is serving God. But in this case, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, meaning God has blessed this group of Christians powerfully, big time, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Probably around like 1981, somewhere in there. This was when we were about to go into fight Saddam Hussein for the first time. I had written a letter to Ray Brubaker of God's News Behind the News. In those days, he was the biggest and almost the only ministry on earth that had to do with Bible prophecy. And every year he had the prophecy conference. I mean, if you were in prophecy, if you wanted to be heard, then you were invited to his conference. It got so big to where in the last days of it, before Ray went on to be with the Lord, it was like four days long. And it was all day long. It was speaker after speaker after speaker after speaker. Well, I had written a letter to Ray, and this was long before Prophecy Club ever started. Matter of fact, at this time, I never had any idea or intentions that I would even be in the ministry. But anyway, I wrote him a letter asking him to invite Dimitri Dudeman to come and speak. Sure enough, he did. So Dimitri tells me the story. He says, I was sitting in the audience, and everybody was getting up and saying, Oh, well, this Saddam Hussein, Revelation 18 and Jeremiah 15, 51 was all talking about the bad things are going to happen to Saddam Hussein, and they're going to fall and everything. Well, <laughs> Dimitri, hearing this, knowing that, no, no, Revelation 18, Jeremiah 15, 51 are all talking about America. So Dimitri says real low under his voice, Lord, what do you want me to say? He said, don't worry. When you get up there, I'll give you the words to say. So when he got up there, these were the words that came out. He said, everyone is saying that these scriptures are talking about Saddam Hussein and the old Babylon as in Iraq. But Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 7, and he read it, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that had made all the earth drunken, and the nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore the nations are mad. He says, when Saddam Hussein prays, to what God does he pray to? And of course they all said, oh, he prays to Allah. He said, yet this is saying that Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. 
This, my brothers and sisters, is not talking about Saddam Hussein and Iraq. He said this is talking about America. America was the golden cup in the Lord's hand. But because she made all of the nations fall away from Christ, and as I've already talked about in an earlier broadcast, wine is, it was probably a grape, not an apple that Adam and Eve ate. And wine throughout the scriptures is all associated with sin. Grape, wine, sin, wine press. The wine press was trodden without the city and blood came out of the wine press, even under the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. That's all referring to sin. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. He said, brothers and sisters, this is talking about America. All of the nations of the earth were drunken, and the nations have drunken over wine. In other words, because America was the nation that took the Bible to the earth, and the earth began to listen, and now America has fallen away. Consequently, the nations have fallen away also. He says this is talking about America. Well, that's what it's talking about here. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So it's talking about the same verses. Verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written. Now, I believe that this is actually three names, not one name. It's three names. Mystery of Babylon, that's the first name. The Great, and the third name is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. When it says the great, I believe that when we get to heaven, we get to see replay of all of this world. I believe that God is going to point to Donald Trump and say, that's the man that hung the word the great upon America. When he said, make America great again, well, that's what hung it around our neck. We are the great. We are the mystery Babylon. Remember, the angel that spoke to Dimitri said, why did he name it the Mr. Babylon? He says, because all the nations of the earth immigrated into America, and America accepted them. America accepted the Buddha church, the Mormon church, the Sodomite church, and all kinds of wickedness. He said, Jesus doesn't live in sin. He lives in holiness. I brought you here so you could cry out loud. Don't be afraid. Tell them what I tell you. Anyway, let's go on. So now let's go to verse 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's true. Catholic Church has killed a lot of Christians. But that was all in the past. See, Revelation is not talking about the past. It's talking about the future, specifically the tribulation, which is saying that is going to be the Catholic Church, just like as was told to Terry Bennett, that is going to rise up and cause everyone to worship this other beast, this Antichrist, and those people that don't, it's going to be the Catholic Church that is going to kill many Catholics and a lot of Protestants too. All of the people that don't take the mark of the beast and worship the image shall be killed. All right, let's go on. And the angel said unto them, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which has seven heads and ten horns. Now, that word marvel is, how come you were impressed? Why would you mesmerize by looking at this filthy woman? And so the angel is actually kind of rebuking John there. Wherefore didst thou marvel? What are you doing finding this woman impressive? That's what he's saying. So then he goes on to explain what he saw. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and goeth into perdition. Now, before we go further, let me explain. So what is this that says, And the beast that thou sawest was and is not, 
and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. It sang, I believe, and in my book, Secret Door, I'm going to explain this in detail, why I believe, and I give you lots of reasons, I think there was like eight reasons, why the beast is going to be a resurrected Nebuchadnezzar. What? I thought the Antichrist was already alive on the earth right now. No, no. Two different scriptures says, and he ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. So he comes out of the bottomless pit. What's in the bottomless pit? It is a hole in the earth to which whomever is thrown into that hole, they fall for all eternity. My daughter, Leslie Ann, back in hmm, probably about, I think it would be late 1990s, I remember we were in uh, New Orleans. We were doing a crusade. And I saw Ed Lixie and Pat Sparrow, two prophets that were guest prophets at the crusade with us, Power of Jesus Crusade. We'd done about 60 of these crusades. And I saw them. They looked at each other, and they said, double portion, and they smiled, and they both agreed, and they said, yes. They lifted up their hands together, and they walked toward my daughter, Leslie Ann, at the time was probably eh, 12, 13, 14 tops. They walked over, and they said, double portion. With both of their hands, they touched her on the forehead. They didn't push her. They just touched her. But bam, I mean, it was like she got, she got, she got hit with a sledgehammer. And she went down, and she was passed out for over an hour. And she got up with eyes wide open, and she had been shown something. Now, I'm not going to have time to explain all of it, but I will say this. She was shown people falling in the bottomless pit. And she said, this is what it was like. Like about every 20 or 30 feet, there was a demon tied to the side of the bottomless pit. And they had things like knives and stabbing weapons and axes and things like that. And as people would fall through the bottomless pit, as they would fall by the demons, they would take these knives and stab them and cut them, and they, the people had flesh. It would flay the flesh open, and the people would scream and let out a yelp, but the flesh would immediately heal right back up, and as they continued to fall. So it was just continuous torment, continuous pain, pain they could not stop, pain they could not control, they couldn't repent, they couldn't get out of it, and they fell, and they fell, and they fell, and they fell, and they fell for all eternity. That's the bottomless pit. Now, let's go back to it. The beast that thou sawest was, now, this was written by John back in 70 AD. This was basically John being told, the beast that thou sawest was once alive, but he's not alive in 70 AD when you're getting this. Now, I'm going to explain that more in a little detail here in just a second, but let me go on for right now. The beast that thou sawest was, or we would say was once alive, but is not, meaning in 96 AD when John got this, he was not alive, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and goeth into perdition. Perdition is when they're tossed into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, where the beast, the false prophet, and eventually Lucifer at the end of the tribulation, plus all of those people that take the mark of the beast. They're all tossed into perdition. Perdition is eternal torment with no hope of escape, in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. That is perdition. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder. Here's that word wonder again. In other words, when they see the woman, when they see the Pope, when they see the false prophet, when they see the beast, which is not the same, you're talking about the false prophet. In other words, one's political. That's the beast. 
That's the political beast. A lot of times referred to as Antichrist. I prefer calling him the beast. And then the other false prophet, the one that comes out of the earth, that one is the Pope. And it will be a religious being that dwell upon the earth shall wonder, but they are amazed when they see the beast. They're amazed when they see the false prophet. They wonder, and they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. The beast that was is Nebuchadnezzar. He was once alive, but he's not alive in 96 AD when the angel comes to give this to John the Revelator. And yet is, meaning he ascends out of the bottomless pit. As I said, two scriptures say he ascends out of the bottomless bottom pit. That means that the beast Antichrist is not, I'll say it again, is not, <laughs> is not alive on the earth today. And I, I, I hear people say, oh, I believe he's alive today. Well, I believe it is close, but he's not alive today. He's falling helplessly in the bottomless pit. That's where he is. That's what the Bible says. So, they say that because they don't understand Revelation. As most people, because most of the Christians, they're not looking for the tribulation. They're not looking for the beast. They're looking for the rapture. Well, the rapture's going to save them. Not. <laughs> Again, you you got to get my new book called How Pre-Trib One. It is going to upset the apple cart of the church because it goes into the pastor's secret little chambers and it reveals some of their dirty little secrets about why the 501c3 and the board will not let the good pastor preach the good word truthfully. He is told what he will and what he will not preach. But anyway, get the book, How Pre-Trib One. Let's read that last scripture again. But the beast that thou sawest was and is not. This is talking about the, the Antichrist was once alive, and is now not alive in 96 AD, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and goeth into perdition. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, when they behold, in other words, when they see this guy, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. So when they see the beast, when they see the Antichrist, if their name is not already in the book of life, tough, Charlie it is probably not going to get there. I know, I know, there's going to be a lot of people saved during the tribulation, but it's going to be tough. It is good. They are going to give their life to receive Jesus. It is it's going to be tough. In other words, if they haven't already received Jesus, then they will believe the lie and be damned. Let's get on with this. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, on which the woman sitteth. Now, this is a dual prophecy because the Vatican does set upon seven mountains, and that part of it is true. And I've had people send me emails. Yes, 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 I understand. It is talking about the seven mountains. It is talking about the Vatican. It is talking about the Catholic Church. But it is also tied in with Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. In other words, that's the people. Having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy, which is saying that the beast in this case is the world government, as is the beast in the case of the woman riding the beast. It's talking about world government. And this world government divides the seven continents into ten global regions. That's the reason it has ten horns. So it's a world government 
that divides the seven continents into ten global regions. Each one of those global regions has a head or a ruler that blasphemes God, which is why we can spot the beast early, because when the beast rises, one of the first things he does, according to Daniel chapter 7, if you want that information, you get my new book called Tribulation, Secrets, and Daniel, and I explain this, because you can spot the beast by recognizing he will be one of those ten global regional rulers, but not one of the original ones, then he will rise up and he will overcome three of the other beasts. And when you spot that guy that overcomes three of the other heads or the regional rulers, that's the guy that's going to be the beast. He's not in the beast. He's not ruling the world yet, but he will become him, which is the reason the first part of Revelation, the first, well, what is it, three seals? Yeah first three seals are all talking about war, 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 and the effects of war. So the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So that is, yes, seven mountains that the Catholic Church is built upon, but it also is the world government that is the seven continents divided into ten global regions. See, the prophecies often repeat. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is a repeating prophecy. Just like one of the reasons I believe Moses is going to be one of the two witnesses, and also John the Revelator is going to be one of the two witnesses. I explain that in my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. All right, let's go on. We're running out of time. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. There are seven kings, five are fallen. One is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, here's where it gets complicated. And I'm going to give credit where credit due here. The guy that actually got me started in radio, I guess I would say that, his name is Jack L. Frost. And I was listening to his ministry and following his ministry. And one day in June of 1993, the local radio station called and said he had recommended, long story short here, I'm running out of time, that I'd be invited to do a radio program. So it was Jack L. Frost that referred me to the radio station, and that's how Prophecy Club got started. But anyway, I'm running out of time, so I'll go ahead and say the seven kings that Jack L. Frost did the research to follow these and find these were Nebuchadnezzar. These are the five that are fallen. Nebuchadnezzar, Antichius Epiphanes, Jupiter, or some people say Jupiter, Crassius, and Titus. Those are the five kings that are fallen. And the one is was called Domitian. And the one who's not yet come is called Hadrian. Those are the seven kings, the seven kings that committed the abomination. Meaning, in all of human history, there are only seven kings that have committed the abomination of desolation. Abomination of desolation is a direct attack on God. Like, for example, Nebuchadnezzar did it by building the statue. His son, Belshazzar, did it by drinking out of the golden cups and worshiping, worshiping stones of brass and silver and gold and stone and things like that. And then Antichius Epiphanes did it by sacrificing a pig in the Holy of Holies. So every one of these seven kings committed the abomination of desolation. So in order to fulfill the scripture, the Antichrist must be, I'll repeat, the Antichrist must be one of these seven kings. And those seven kings are all dead at this point, but one of them, Nebuchadnezzar, will ascend out of the bottomless pit and become the Antichrist, the beast that was and is not and yet is. He was once alive, but in 96 AD he's not alive, but he yet is. He will come back to life.
Verse 11. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven. Okay, so how do you have eight when there's only seven? Obviously, one of them comes back to life. Also, first two verses of Daniel chapter 11, it also says, And there are yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. Okay, so how do you have four when there was only three? How do you have eight when there was only seven? Well, it's told you. One of them comes back to life. Verse 11. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. All it's saying is that the Antichrist is going to come back to life. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These are the ten heads of the region, the seven continents divided into ten global regions. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. In other words, they will cooperate. They will hand over all power and all of their military power, all of their wealth, all of the everything, everything, everything over to the beast. All of the world will hand it all over to the beast, says Revelation seventeen thirteen verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. That's Armageddon. And if you want to know, by the way, who are the armies that return with Jesus, this is a description of them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's us. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. That's real important. Meaning, in prophecy, when you see water, it's talking about that. People, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Finally, and the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now, nobody wants to think that someone is eating the flesh of a human, but I didn't write it, but that is what the scripture says, and that is the correct interpretation. It means somehow, somehow, the world government is going to be eating the flesh of, I don't even want to say it, Christians. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Final two verses. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. Meaning, it is God's plan. It is God's plan. God puts in the hearts of the people to form a world government so that he can bring them all down to Armageddon, to Jerusalem, to destroy them. Final verse. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth, which I believe is the Vatican. The woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth, the Vatican and the Pope. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. I was shown a secret door linking the feasts to the prophecies of Revelation. For the first time, the book of Revelation can be put in correct chronological order. You can understand Bible prophecy. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of five. One for 20, but don't do that. Five for 35 or 10 for 60. What is the most important information to every beating heart on the globe? After except Jesus, it would be don't take the mark of the beast. Those taking the mark of the beast do not get soul death, but are tormented in the lake of fire and brimstone for eternity. How do you tell them? Give them, miss the mark. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. One for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. Over the past 32 years, I've collected the best 101 prophecies from Dimitri Dudeman, Michael Boldea, Leslie Johnson, Henry Gruber, Shane Warren, Terry Bennett, Marie Sklar, Augusto Perez, Doug Metzger, and more. It's called God's Warnings for America. 
we offer them in shrink wrap sets of five. One for 20, but don't do that. Five for 35 or 10 for 60. My new book is called Tribulation Secrets in Daniel because that's what it does. It shows you the part of Daniel you need to know being you're about to be a tribulation saint and will desperately need to know and understand about the last days you live in. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10, one for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. In How Pre-Trib 1, I expose the dirty little secrets pastors don't want you to know, which is why sometimes they can't preach the truth, especially about the rapture. Then using the secret door, I explain the truth about the rapture and rebut. Then I rebut 25 claims pre-tribbers use to prove pre-trib. You'll finally know the truth about the rapture. We offer it in shrink wrap sets of 10. One for 20, but don't do that. 10 for 30, 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. That's prophecyclub.com. I also just learned that Heaven's Harvest has more food in stock. That's right. Freeze-dried, the coveted freeze-dried food in stock at heavensharvest.com. And if you put the promo code in STAN, it helps your Prophecy Club, and it also gets you a packet of heirloom seeds free. Heavensharvest.com, promo code STAN, S-T-A-N, heavensharvest.com, STAN. Click like, share, and subscribe.